What is this I'm feeling? Am I nervous? I think I am. I think I'm a little nervous about this episode. I, I, it, it's because I'm going to be sharing with you one of the most devastating, humiliating, and embarrassing things I've ever experienced in my life that took place during my 10 years of clinical depression. But here's the deal. Out of that pain, that painful moment introduced to me, reintroduced, I should say, this healing agent, this gift that you and I have access to as sons and daughters of God that I just forgot about. And it brought so much healing and freedom to my soul, to my mind, will, and emotions. So we're just going to dive right in. I'm Craig. This is Illuminated Soul. It's good to be with you. I think it was um, 2006, 2007. I walk into my bedroom one day and was absolutely stunned at what I saw. It was my wife, Christine, kneeling on the floor, crying. She was in front of my closet, surrounded by empty bottles and cans of beer that I thought I had so cleverly hidden from her. You see, during my 10 years of clinical depression, I'd been secretly abusing alcohol for three of those years and lying to my wife about it. And I could see it on her face. Each empty can, each empty bottle that she pulled out from my closet represented deception, a lie I had told her. She was, it was like she was gathering the evidence that vindicated her occasional suspicions over the years. Lots of cans, lots of bottles, lots of lies that I told to divert her suspicions. And there we were. She was on her knees surrounded by all those cans and bottles, weeping. I was standing, frozen, paralyzed, cold, shocked. And it was all over. The illusion had been revealed. I couldn't conceal my sin any longer. As David wrote in Psalm 32, when I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away, my vitality drained. And that's exactly, can you relate to that? That's exactly what happened to me. Wasted away mentally, emotionally, spiritually, drained, depleted. I was horrified, embarrassed, ashamed, uh, obviously scared of the repercussions. And also somehow in the midst of all of that tornadic emotional activity, there was this sense of relief. Yeah. And why would I be feeling that? Obviously, the answer is because it was over. You know, I felt like a, a fugitive who has been on the run for years, but really tired of running and secretly hoping to get caught. And finally caught, you just kind of, oh, it's over. So no longer did I have to keep silent. But hear me, <laughs> of course, I never had to keep silent about my attempts to self-medicate with alcohol and present the illusion that I was doing fine. My wife, Christine, is so loving and forgiving, and we've always sought to seek to understand each other, to be authentic, vulnerable, and honest with each other. But for some reason, there was something in me, shame, guilt, fear, fear of rejection, self-hatred. I had believed there was no way I could bring this dark thing out into the light. Now, fortunately, according to 1 John, we can't continue in sin, those who belong to Jesus. We can't. The seed of God has been implanted within you and me. And so eventually uh, things will be revealed. <laughs> and, and that's what happened. It just came out all by itself. Thanks be to God. And the days and weeks that followed were filled with hard conversations, tears from both of us, justifiable anger from my wife, 
along with so much grace, mercy, and forgiveness from her as well. And from me, lots of listening and lots of confession. Pastor and author Erwin Lutzer states, forgiveness is always free. But that doesn't mean that confession is always easy. Sometimes it's hard, incredibly hard. It is painful to admit our sins and entrust ourselves to God's care. So today on Illuminated Soul, I simply wanted to share with you, maybe even reintroduce to you, the gift of confession, the healing agent that confession is towards our souls, our emotional health and well-being. It is a gift. We get to confess sin. We get to let it go and release it in exchange for God's uh, forgiveness, mercy, grace, wholeness, and healing. King David wrote in Psalm 32, the first five verses, How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. That's that conviction the convicting presence of the Holy Spirit. He goes on to write, My vitality was drained away as with a fever heat of summer. Vitality is vigor, energy. And verse 5, I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Hmm. Dr. Robert Jeffress, senior minister of First Baptist Church in Dallas, states, Admitting our failure, our sin, results in renewed emotional and physical vitality. Nothing saps your physical strength more than trying to cover over your sin. Nothing will sap your emotional energy more than the constant nagging worry, what if somebody finds out? Can you relate to that? That's exactly where I was. She can't find out. No one can know. No one can know. Talk about a burden. Dr. Robert Jefferis goes on to say, If you are physically and emotionally exhausted from trying to hide your failure, your sin, then go ahead and admit it to God. You're not giving him new information. <laughs> and you will experience the physical and emotional relief that comes from confession. And I love how he highlights that. You know what he's highlighting? That our entire being is spirit, soul, and body. So when we confess, it's not just a, a, a benefit to our spirit, but also physically and emotionally, our, our whole being is blessed by confession. And we get to, we get to confess to God. For if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's 1 John 1, 9. And we also get to confess our sins one to another. I purposely like to say we get to, not that we have to. We get to, <laughs> we can and if I'm honest, I wish I could just confess all my sin to God alone in a room so no one, including you, has to see my weaknesses, right? My depravity. I just keep it between me and God. You know, enter the phone booth like Clark Kent and come out, you know, super Craig. But that's not how it works, as you well know. There's something special that happens when we confess our sin, not only to God, but to someone else. James 5.16, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. 
I'm sure you're familiar with that last sentence. The effective prayer of a righteous man, a righteous woman can't can't accomplish much. What I love about that in context, it, the context is confession of sin to one another. Where there is confession of sin to someone we trust, the appropriate person, there is not just an opportunity for that someone to hear, to listen, to bear our burden, but also to pray for us. Why? So that we may be healed. Isn't that amazing? So we confess to God there is forgiveness. We confess to and pray for one another there is healing. That's why sometimes have you ever gone to God and confessed seeking healing too, right? But for whatever reason, what you're after seems to, to not be taking place. Well, it, it might be, it might be <laughs> that God is saying, hey, thanks for coming to me. And now for your healing, you know, you have forgiveness, but now for your healing, would you please go confess it to a brother or sister and have them pray for you? And what kind of healing? Well, James was referring to those who were sick and experiencing a, a physical weariness for sure, but there's also great emotional and mental healing that can take place, no doubt. Confession of sin was paramount to me being healed from clinical depression, crippling anxiety, and all the emotional turmoil that comes in that package. I only realized that, though, after the fact. You know, James Pennebaker, professor of psychology at the University of Texas, Austin, has research that shows that while the act of confessing may produce immediate feelings of distress... People who engage in confession of sin experience a number of benefits over time, including improved mood, reduced symptoms of psychological distress, fewer illnesses, and even improved immune functioning. That's amazing. Furthermore, Pennebaker found that the health effect is greater when people are less inhibited, disclose more deeply, and when their disclosure helps them form new meaning or insight on their experience. Wow. King David, this is kind of fun, I think reveals to us a simple process of confession in verse 5 of Psalm 32. I'm going to unpack it real fast. He starts with, I acknowledged my sin to you. What is that? Honesty, <laughs> acknowledgement, ownership, authenticity. We get to examine our conscience honestly. Because let's be real, it's easy to do half confessions. Have you ever lied while confessing? <laughs> I have. I'm not, I'm not proud of it, but I have. You know, I'll just, you know, it's a, it's a part, part truth confession kind of a thing. I'll just share this and this and, well, but that's, the, that's not healing. <laughs> I don't want to lie while I'm confessing. We want to be honest and truthful. And this includes being real with what we feel. We get to embrace the sorrow, just like David did in Psalm 38, 18. But I confess my sins. I, I am deeply sorry for what I have done. Uh, but we don't want to get caught up in shame and unhealthy sorrow or guilt. There is a godly sorrow, according to, to uh, 2 Corinthians seven ten. You know, it, it reads, For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. That salvation means rescue, safety, deliverance, health. Paul goes on to say, there's no regret for that kind of sorrow. But the worldly sorrow lacks repentance. There's no change of mind, no reversal that always results in spiritual death. So David says, I acknowledge my sin to you. Then he goes on, and my iniquity I did not hide. So there's more vulnerability, trust, authenticity. Simply put, 
God knows what we don't want him to know. God sees the sin we think we are hiding from him. (laughs) We don't have to hide like Adam and Eve did in shame. He is the father of all mercies, the God of all comfort, and he completely understands. We have a high priest named Jesus who is tempted in every way, yet without sin. He gets it. Then David says something really, really wonderful. He speaks to himself. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. Wow. So that is verbal, willing admission and a choice to action, not playing the victim. Confess to the Lord and oftentimes to the appropriate person, a trusted one, be it a friend, pastor, spiritual director, or mentor. But I love how he's, he says, I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. In my depression, when I was hiding the, the abuse of alcohol, I was saying, I'm not confessing this to anybody. And it just increased the darkness and the torment and the pain and the depletion. But as sons and daughters of God, we can, we get to say, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. I will do this. I love that. Then he finishes with, and you, God, forgave the guilt of my sin. Wow. The result is the experience of forgiveness. Guilt removed, shame gone, the ever-present presence of Christ Jesus realized afresh. (laughs) And I would like to add one more thing. We kind of touched on this, but resolve to amend. Let's, Let's resolve to amend our lives. Basically, bear fruit in accordance with repentance and confession. Remember, worldly sorrow lacks a changing turn. So after confessing, we are free to prove by the way we live our newfound freedom. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote in his book, Life Together, In the darkness of the unexpressed, sin poisons the whole being of a person. The darkness of the unexpressed. That's exactly where I was when I was lying to my wife about self-medicating with alcohol. I was in that place of not confessing, the darkness of the unexpressed, and a poisoning of my whole being was taking place, spirit, soul, and body. (sighs) And then finally, Ruth Haley Barton writes, I cannot imagine a more powerful force for good in this world than for us to confess our sins to God and to one another so that grace can flow more freely among us. I can only imagine the homecomings there might be in our relationships with God and with each other as we acknowledge the ways we have wounded our own life, the lives of others, and the life of the world. You see, you and I get to do this. The world doesn't know how, because they, they, we need His Spirit. We need His Spirit to do this. And we have His Spirit. And sometimes, though, because we're practicing righteousness, uh, we allow shame to dictate who we are and how we should respond. So I just want to wrap it up with a prayer, okay? And I really pray that whatever you're going through, whatever you think you have to hide, I get it. I've done it. And I want you to know there is such freedom. There's healing waiting when you confess. So I want to pray for you and me. God, help us confess. Help us to be honest. Father God, would you help us not to shrink back from the fear of exposure, knowing that in your light we see light and even darkness is light to you. Thank you, God, for the confidence and freedom we have as your sons and daughters 
to not hide from what is already revealed and quite apparent to you. Father God, please illuminate our darkness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.